1: of pregnant women are vitamin D deficient, and that guarantees that every single one of those infants born is also going to be deficient, leading to lifelong problems with many diseases. I'm Carol Baggerly with Grassroots Health, and we are here today to talk about what to do about this, both educationally and very practically, to get people's vitamin D levels to a point at which they will be healthy. This is Preggy Pals, episode 13.
2: Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth?
3: What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant, and I have to exercise? What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? Gotta make these pants... I've got cankles.
2: What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms, and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. You can now take Preggy Pals with you wherever you go. Our apps are now available in the Amazon Android market and the iTunes app store. They have great features like the ability to star your favorite episodes as well as instant access to our most recent episodes and social networking sites. And another great way to get pregnancy related information is to subscribe to our Preggy Pals newsletter, which features exclusive behind the scenes content from our show, special giveaways and contests, discounts, and more. You can visit our website, which is pregypals.com for more information. So let's get some more information from our panelists today. We have two lovely ladies joining us in the studio. So, Stephanie, let's start with you. Hi, I'm Stephanie Soffeld. I am
4: 29. I'm a gemologist. I am due January 9th with my first child, and the gender is still unknown, And um, we're hoping
2: for a hospital birth. Okay, Misty.
5: I am Misty Davies. I am 33. I'm a gemologist as well. Uh, My due date is October 10th, and it's a girl, and I have no other kids. It's my first, and I'm hoping for an unmedicated hospital birth.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today.
5: (coughs) Sounds familiar. (coughs) If your baby is going
2: through another bout of bad diaper rash... Then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we dive into today's topic, we're going to learn a little bit more about the National Rally for Change because it's coming up in September, and here to tell us a little bit more about it is Don Thompson. She is the president and founder of improvingbirth.org, who is organizing the event. Welcome, Don. Good morning.
3: Yeah. So tell us more about the National Rally for Change. We originally started out saying we wanted to reduce the unnecessary cesarean rate and induction rate. Uh, Currently, the cesarean rate in the United States is 32.6%. That means one out of every three, even greater than three women, is having a cesarean section. Uh, I think the important thing to to realize is that even me, it's like 32% doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But when you start looking at what that means in numbers, uh, there's approximately 4.1 million births in the United States every year. That means 1.5 million of them are having surgical birth. So we are trying to reduce that. But as improving birth has evolved, we realize really what the core issue is, is that we're not practicing evidence-based care. On average, they're saying that 20, um, it takes approximately 20 years for evidence to turn into practice. That's unacceptable. We cannot continue to hurt moms and babies, you know, because they can't get, they can't adapt the practices sooner. The medical schools aren't teaching the current evidence that, you know, it's like, it's just the snowball effect. And we need to be doing better. What is literally going to happen at the rally?
2: What, what do you expect? It's obviously not a protest. I want to make sure that people understand that.
3: Yeah, no. I mean, really, what it what it is? It's a it's a outreach program to reach out to the masses. You know, we really need to meet the people where they're giving birth, and that's at the hospitals. Um, some of our locations are not doing them in front of hospitals. Some are doing them at the courthouse. We have actually one at the Democratic convention. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, really, we're just trying to bring awareness, and we're asking moms. We can't put this all on the doctors, Right. okay? We cannot. We as women have to take responsibility for our own births, and you need to be educating yourself. Uh, if you want to get more information about the rally, please visit us at improvingbirth.org and click on the national rally page. It's going to be on September 3rd all across the country, starting in um, New York, and uh, we have the same time for everyone, 10 a.m. to noon. And we will be starting on the East Coast and working our way across the U.S. We currently have, uh, as of today, I think we have like 45 cities uh, throughout the country. We are literally coast to coast from... San Diego to, uh, Massachusetts, New York, all those places. We do have, um, many states that still need to be filled. So we're about a little more than halfway there. Uh, our goal was to have one, at least one in every state, but we've got, you know, California has five or six at this point. Texas has four, you know, um, you know, some of the bigger cities or bigger states have a lot more than just the one. So, but, um, but even at this point, we're going to make an entirely, enormous impact, I think.
2: Okay. And for more information, they can go to improvingbirth.org. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Don. Thank you.
0: You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.
2: Today, we're talking about vitamin D deficiency during pregnancy. How can we, as pregnant women, overcome this obstacle and have the healthiest pregnancies possible? Here to help us answer that question is Carol Baggerly. She is the director and founder of Grassroots Health, as well as Jen Aliano. She is the communications director of Grassroots Health and founder of Natural Baby Pros, an acupuncturist, nutritionist, and holistic health practitioner. And wow, you're busy, Jen. (laughs) Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Jen, let's talk a little bit more about this deficiency. Is it impacting pregnant women across the board, or what types of women does this primarily hit? It's actually
6: affecting people worldwide women, men, and children, especially those who are dark skinned, overweight, live at higher latitudes, and avoid the sun or use
2: sunscreen. Now, I'm curious. I have to ask our panelists here. Now, prior to today's episode, were you even aware that so many pregnant women, over 80% of pregnant women, have vitamin D deficiency? Do you have any idea, Stephanie? Absolutely not. No. No. And you are like, oh my gosh, I need to do research on this. right? <laughs> Misty, what about you? I had no idea. No. But today's episode is going to make a difference, yes. right? Okay. So, Jen, how would a pregnant woman know if she is deficient in vitamin D? The only way to know is to get
6: your serum levels tested, your 25 OHD serum levels. And you can either do that with your doctor or you can actually go to Grassroots Health and join our D-Action study and get your levels tested through us.
2: Why isn't this something, I'm just curious, um, that people don't test for automatically if so many women are impacted by this? People don't know about it. It's as simple as that. People don't know about it. And just to throw it out there, I'm a San Diego
6: native. I spend a lot of time in the sun. I only use sunscreen moderately, and my levels were in the 20s, and that was scary for me. I thought I was perfectly fine. The
2: 20s out of what? You want to aim for 40 to 60 nanograms per
6: milliliter. Wow. Wow.
2: And obviously, sun is one of the ways. And we'll talk about that a little bit after the, the first break here. We'll talk about ways that uh, we can improve our vitamin D levels. So, um, Jen, why is it important for pregnant women to increase these levels? Like, what are we at risk for? Why not just, you know, have low vitamin D? What's it going to hurt? Good question.
6: And for a long time, people have only been concerned about vitamin D when it comes to your bone metabolism and health. That's what vitamin D is most um, known for. However, there's vitamin D receptors in every single cell of your body, which indicates a need for vitamin D in each one of those cells. And recent studies have shown there are many systems besides just bone health that rely on vitamin D for health. The most well-known vitamin D deficiency disease is rickets. Rickets is only the tip of the vitamin D deficiency iceberg. Other diseases or issues that can arise from vitamin D deficiency include allergies, asthma, colds and flus, uh, during pregnancy, fetal growth impairment, gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, even preterm birth, which recent studies have shown vitamin D could potentially decrease 50% of preterm births. And preterm birth is the leading cause of infant death, and the second leading cause of death in children under the age of five. So it's got major health implications that affect almost every system within the body.
2: So, Carol, we know that more than 80% of pregnant women have this vitamin D deficiency, but I think the big question is, how did we get this way? You know, why is this the case?
1: The major reason that we are vitamin D deficient is because we're inside. It is that simple. And that started literally back with the Industrial Revolution, when people came off of the farmland, Mm -hmm. and it's now a worldwide problem because if you go to any society all around the world, they're covered up, even people in the southern regions. So we're out of the sun, and it has taken a long time to realize that was the cause. We just take the sun for granted so much. Plus there's been this enormous cancer scare with skin cancer, and that message has succeeded too well. The only part of that message that truly needs to stay out there is don't burn. (laughs) Really, really. That's it. If you don't burn, you're fine. Um, But right now, what we're dealing with in terms of major problems is any new thing or any new idea, specifically in the medical community, meets with all kinds of resistance. It's new. I didn't learn it in medical school. It can't be true. So that's why grassroots health exists, uh, literally. Uh, is to get the message out and to say there's this a major problem.
2: Is there new research out that is making this kind of, uh, you know, more compelling to move forward with this and and more push now, or are we just at the point where we're like, we got to get this out?
1: Both. There has been an exponential increase in the number of research papers published each and every single year. There were over 3,000 papers published just last year, and 10 years ago maybe there were 500. There are research we just came Jen and I just came back from a research conference in Houston, uh, which had international researchers at it. uh, And right there and then on that very day, they presented more than 500 new research papers. Wow! So it's phenomenal. And the thing that's coming out about it is how it was less than five years ago, less than five years ago, when they actually realized that vitamin D impacts every cell in the body as opposed to just... The bone metabolism and the calcium metabolism. It's that new. Mm. And Dr. Robert Haney, another one of our panel and famed researchers, indicated that vitamin D is actually the enabler. It doesn't cause anything, but your DNA tells your cells what to do, how to grow, whatever. If they don't have enough vitamin D, they can't act. Mm. So vitamin D is the enabler.
2: Okay, which makes it so important for pregnant women, obviously. I mean, taking care of yourself and your unborn child. Of course. Well, when we come back, we're going to explore ways we can increase our vitamin D levels and improve the health of our growing babies. We'll be right back.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands.
2: Welcome back. We're talking with Carol Baggerly and Jen Aliano about the importance of vitamin D during pregnancy. And we know the majority of pregnant women aren't getting enough vitamin D, so now we're going to talk about the ways we can change that. So, Carol, first of all, how much vitamin D should pregnant women be getting?
1: The aim uh, throughout is to focus on the serum level and not how much. Uh, The serum level has to be at least 40 nanograms per milliliter, and it ought to stick in the range of 40 to 60, which is a physiological level that people get if they were out in the sun all the time. Now, in order to achieve that, all right, I will tell you that, but still focus on the serum level, Um, there was a very recent randomized trial done where uh, they gave women, pregnant women 4,000 international units a day, and that's what it took to get the average, that means half of the women, all right, up to the 40 nanograms per milliliter and higher. So many people take a lot more. And there were no evidences of any toxicity over a four-year portion of the study, none whatsoever. Nobody had any problems.
2: Okay. So sometimes that is a concern then of with course. taking too of much course. vitamin D.
1: It's really unfortunate that vitamin D got labeled with international units and um, 1,000 international units is 25 micrograms. It's a tiny amount of stuff. But by saying a 1,000, like it sounds like a lot. And it could scare people, too. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, so we need to get away from the lot. We just need to blow the concept and start focusing on what's your serum level.
5: So before I was pregnant, I was taking vitamin D. Um, I was told to take about 2,000 IU uh, because I was deficient. And I noticed a uh that my mood uh, was better uh, a little while after taking it. Um, So
1: what happened? Let me tell you. Um, (laughs) There is a very significant gradient of depression as one goes from a lower latitude like San Diego up to Canada, up to Alaska, whatever. And there is a very significant effect of vitamin D on depression and as a matter of fact in one community in Alaska where we're working right now one of the reasons they started a major project was because they had eight teenagers in high school commit suicide it is a very big impactor with seasonal affective disorder so it's there
5: yeah i certainly noticed a difference mm-hmm. afterwards Not i surprising. mean a definite and difference. and probably
1: very quickly too like it, yeah, within a couple of weeks it was yeah, yeah it was very yeah. quick yeah the idea right now That you have a prenatal supplement, which has all of 400 international (laughs) units in it, is absolutely ludicrous. And we're out to change that because that's not enough. The simplest way to get vitamin D is through a supplement. And it's through a specific go-get-a-vitamin-D supplement, not a supplement which has 15 other things in it, because you might need to take five of them. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't need to have five doses of vitamin A or whatever else might be there. So stick to vitamin D3. It is not available adequately in foods unless you are an Eskimo and happen to eat lots of whale blubber. <laughs> I have it every night. Actually, it's, it's not so that, Oh, mine. Did you okay? <laughs> is that something uh, we have available? <laughs> a ago? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> the um, milk is fortified and to the tune of about 400 international units a quart. That means you'd have to take at least 10 quarts of milk a day. Salmon, which is often touted as a good source of vitamin D, has about 400 units. Nobody is going to eat 10 servings of salmon a day. A day! All right? So if you don't have the sunshine... Go to the supplement. It's
2: that simple. Okay, so it really comes back, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you pointed that out. We take our prenatal vitamins, and we think we're completely covered, right. but we're not. So and many an of the additional... doctors
1: think that you're covered because they don't know enough yet. Right. All right, and that's why we have this campaign going. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
2: So we may be educating our own doctors about this. Oh,
1: big time, big time. That <laughs> okay. is one of the grassroots health things that we do. We put on medical seminars for doctors okay. because they don't know. The medical profession at by and large does not yet know enough to do the right job. Okay.
2: And I think women, pregnant women are somewhat scared into the fact of don't go out into the sun. You could hurt your baby, you know, and, and it sounds to me like, you know, maybe that's simplifying it a little too much. You know, Um, when we do go out into the sun, though, should we be using any kind of sunscreen? You know, we think about that with our kids and to protect ourselves as well. Or Does that negate getting this
1: vitamin D that we're talking about? Sunscreen does negate getting the vitamin D you put on the sunscreen and the um, UVB be raised from the sun don't go through it it's that simple um, my message about the sun is as i mentioned earlier very simple don't burn different people have different skin different tolerances and all of that sort of stuff and um, somebody may have a very white skin and they really need to spend five minutes a day out all right but the time this is a key piece too the time to be out in the sun is between 10 and 2 all right between 10 and 2 earlier in the day The sun's rays are too far down to come through the atmosphere, so there's no um, vitamin D coming through. All right, So you really need to be out between 10 and 2, which is the time when everybody's told not to be out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is so contradictory Uh, to what we hear. I know. But again, that whole message that you're talking about being contradictory to is the fear of skin cancer. And it's been overblown, flat out overblown. Uh, So again, don't burn Mm -hmm. and get out.
2: Does this mean like direct sun, or does this mean,
4: you know, you can be sitting outside having lunch, you know, under a patio umbrella and still be getting some
1: indirect sun? You certainly can. Uh, the indirect sun works because the sun's rays bounce to your skin, so you could be out of the direct sun and still get some of the the effect. Okay. Well, sure, that's good. Sure. <laughs> but you you can't get it through a car window. You can't get it through a glass window. That effectively blocks the UVB rays, which are the ones that create the vitamin D in your skin. Okay.
5: And then I'm also at a high risk for skin cancer, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you're the one that really stays Um, out of the sun, probably,
5: right? Yeah, well, I put on sunscreen, and I do try to stay out of the sun. I understand. uh, So, I mean, you said as little as five minutes, between 10 and two?
1: Every little bit that you're out matters. It takes, uh, again, age matters somewhat. actually it matters a great deal your skin your skin processes the vitamin d a lot better when you're younger like you are compared to a more mature person all right Uh, but anyway in order to get enough vitamin d if you were out between 10 and 2 with 40 percent of your body exposed all right it would take you maybe 10 to 15 minutes that's it okay all right it doesn't take an hour um, but it does take more than five minutes. And the idea that you can walk to and from your car and get enough is not true.
2: Okay. So, Carol, let's talk a little bit more about the Protect Our Children Now campaign. What is that all about?
1: We're going to save the world. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I glad we could help you with that. Oh, We'd love that. <laughs> um, we've been working on how to help the world, literally, at large, in many ways with solving the vitamin D deficiency. You have to go where the action is, where the biggest bang for the buck is, so to speak, all right? And if you look to see where can I make the biggest health impact the fastest, which is also long-term, it's with pregnant women. Because everything that the pregnant woman does, again, you can protect yourself against a very highly increased risk or reduce the risk by 50% of preterm births, preeclampsia, bacterial infections. I mean, oh my god, just the just the things at pregnancy Mm -hmm. get reduced, all right? But all of a sudden you can now have an infant that is born without that handicap and it is a handicap. And as I mentioned earlier, like, you can predict the risk of that girl's childhood cancer 55 years from now if she's born deficient. Wow. So we can change this whole next generation by getting pregnant women up to speed. And our campaign, our Protect Our Children Now campaign, literally is, it's twofold. Number one, we want to protect women, but we're enrolling 1,000 women in San Diego proper right now, and it can be done in any community Because what we want to do is within those 1,000 women, over the course of their pregnancies, we will track blood levels, the serum levels, the vitamin D levels, and all the health outcomes, and then that of their fetus and their child. And after about a year, we will publish the Honest to Godness Evidence-Based Medicine Report. We have a scientific panel, and this will be done with a very serious medical study, and we will invite every one of those 1,000 women to march on City Hall and say, you know, it's great to have these individual grassroots campaigns, but it's not enough. There are more than 5,000 births births in San Diego every year. That means 2,600 of them had some major preterm birth issue that doesn't have to happen. So we have to get the politicians involved. We have to get the public health people. So we're building a coalition of people who care about their children to take action. And how can our listeners help with that? They can log on to grassrootshealth.net and look at the little icon that's right there that says, Protect Our Children Now, (laughs) and click on it. Uh, We definitely need people to participate in the project. And at this point in the time, we very urgently need sponsors who are willing to put up the money for a scientific project to make this happen. It's going to cost us $300,000 to run the project for a year. Uh, We intend to run it for five years so we can work with the children as well. And so that is a major thing, and any kind of uh, support with that. And it's also got a whole list of other ways to help uh, from endorsing it. Those of you, you can endorse the project, which is is a great idea.
2: Yeah, and you can do that from wherever, right? So for our listeners that aren't in San Diego... Sure. Aren't even in this country. Oh, they absolutely, can it. absolutely.
1: Okay. And you can also look at having a similar project in any community. The only reason we're doing this one in San Diego is to kick it off and to get that kind of coalition built right here. Right. So we can take those 1,000 women into City Hall and say, hey, do it for everybody. Right.
2: Got to start somewhere. Why not San Diego, right? (laughs)
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you,
2: ladies, for being here with us today and for sharing all this great information. If you want more information about vitamin D deficiency or if you want to endorse their program, you can visit grassrootshealth.net as well as the episodes page on our website, which is preggypals.com.
0: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help.
4: Hello, preggy Pals. I am Crystal Stubendek, maternity fashion expert and founder of Borrow for Your Bump, where you can buy and rent designer maternity styles for a monthly rate. This segment, we will cover the awkward phase of pregnancy, otherwise known as the belly or bump phase. You are not quite ready for maternity sizes, but you are quickly outgrowing your favorite jeans and cute tops. To draw attention away from your bump, you can balance your belly with statement jewelry. This will draw attention away and onto the face and neck. A dramatic neckline, chunky, short necklace, or dangly earrings will do the trick. Adding pops of color or prints in unexpected places is another trick to hide the fact that you are expecting. A bright yellow hairpiece, coral scarf, turquoise bling, or like Jessica Simpson, use a large animal print purse to draw the eye away. Plus, it gives you an excuse to splurge on that purse you've been eyeing. A polka dot skirt is another way to take the attention off your midsection. Have fun with it! but one or two eye-catchers is more than enough. Layering is another way to disguise a bump. We recommend layering a blazer or cardigan over a patterned blouse. Or try a maxi dress with an empire waist. Try a style that is long and flowing towards the bottom. We love the ink print maxi dress by Lilac. Without wearing a sign that says, I'm pregnant, you may want to show people that you are expecting. In that case, whether it's a top or a dress, styles with empire waistlines and ruched sides are the best way to take the focus to the center of the body. You can also use a belt under the bust to create more shape. Stay away from short tops that are tight-fitting and oversized clothing that can completely hide your shape and actually make you appear bigger. Throughout the first trimester, you should be able to comfortably wear most of your pre-pregnancy clothes. For bottoms, you may want to switch to low-rise pants or jeans which will allow for a little more room for your tummy. Choose items in your wardrobe that have stretchy waistbands. For tops, loose and fitting blouses and peasant tops should work for the first couple of months. No matter what your stage, feel and look great during your pregnancy. Don't forget to check out the styles mentioned at borrowforyourbump.com and be sure to listen to Preggy Pals for more great pregnancy tips.
2: That wraps up our show for today. If you have any questions about today's topic or any pregnancy-related question, you can ask our experts. Simply send us an email or call our preggy Pals hotline at 619-866-4775 and we'll answer your question on an upcoming episode. If you have a pregnancy topic you would like to suggest, we would love to hear it. Visit our website at preggypals.com and send us an email. Thanks for listening to Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way.
1: This has been a new mommy media production. and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.